informing America's farmers and ranchers. This is AOA, produced by the American Ag Radio Network. Now, here's your host, Jesse Allen. And great to be with you once again here on Agriculture of America AOA. Thanks for joining us. Jesse Allen with you as we're gearing up for another busy show today talking about agriculture, things that are impacting farmers and ranchers and rural America. Coming up here on today's program, we're going to discuss markets in just a second with Mike Zuzalo from Global Commodity Analytics. In segment two, we'll get an update on the sunflower crop with John Sandbach, an executive director of the National Sunflower Association. In segment three, we're going to get an update on the situation revolving around speed limiters in semi-trucks. Louis Pugh from OIDA will be joining us coming up here in segment three to talk about that. And then to wrap up the show today, we're going to get an update on soybean cyst nematode management and some new tools available from the SCN Coalition. Greg Tilka from Iowa State University and the SCN Coalition will join us at the end of the program today. Today's AOA brought to you by our friends at Cenex. Cenex Premium Diesel comes with a more complete additive package for a more complete burn to optimize performance in all engines. Powered locally by Cenex, find your nearest Cenex location online at Cenex.com. Well, right now we want to talk about what is going on in this market trade. We're nearing the end of the month. There is a lot to talk about. Mike Zuzalo, president of Global Commodity Analytics, joins us right now here on the show. Mike, great to have you back with us here this week. I hope you're doing well. Doing well, Jesse. Thanks for having me. Well, I know we're watching these markets very closely. Everything from the outside market headwinds and the, the financial pressures, crude on the rise, dollars been on the rise, harvest pressure out there. We got a looming government shutdown in front of us as well. We have USDA reports coming up on Friday. There's there's a lot to take in end of the month, too, as I mentioned. As you look at the trade, I know you are keeping an eye on the wheat market and how that's kind of the leader here, up or down. Can you get us up to speed what you've been seeing this week as far as the wheat market? Yeah, hard red wheat is carving out a new two-year low, and probably even worse than that, we're seeing it drop below the 50-month moving average for the first time in almost three years. And so hard red wheat with harvest pretty much done and planting you know, very much on the board now with the northern hemisphere and, and very serious problems in Australia's wheat crops still. Um, those numbers uh, in terms of production probably going down and the uh, uh, Argentine crop also starting to show flags and the market starting to draw attention to that um, with, again, dry weather in that country for probably, what, a third year in a row. Um, it, it's an interesting dynamic because the wheat, I think, is the best example of those macro pressures, as you suggested. And I think that's where it goes back to the strength in the dollar and the low demand mindset that we can't seem to shake in this market. And I can't get around the wheat market being our best leader, our best canary in the coal mine, if you will, when it comes to the corn and beans. And that's for the better part of a year. So when I see the Brazilian real at a three month low against the US dollar, I can't get behind a soy rally um, if the wheat's going lower. And I think that's kind of where we're at right now. Um, the wheat fundamentals by themselves, especially after the weekly export sales this morning, are not bad. They are actually tightening up in terms of supplies. We had uh, expectations 
beat in terms of the actual export sales in wheat, 51% above the four-week average, and China was our number four buyer. So my bottom line point to clients right now is you got to have the wheat underneath you, especially as we close out this month, if we're going to see anything close to a corn and bean turnaround, especially with these low river levels. Well, and I know you've uh, shared with me some of your analysis this week and looking at charts and looking at an HRW chart. You got a few, I think, three different kind of trend line points you've been watching. And then to your point, tying that in with the dollar against the Brazilian real. You've looked at other currencies as well in your analysis this week to kind of try and make sense of some of the economic headwinds that are out there. There's there's a lot of interesting research that I know you've been looking at here, Mike. Yeah, and I think this is, is also contrasted, Jesse, with the idea that we have seen the Paris futures, which has been our leader uh, for the whole wheat market for most of the year, the Paris wheat, Paris corn, starting to find really good support. Why? Because Russia is raising their prices on the export market. And I think we're seeing that more and more. And uh, the, the European wheat market has been able to hold a, about a dollar rally since the September futures went off the board. And I'm waiting to see when that kicks in here in the United States. But it's going to be very difficult when you see, you know, fresh uh, 11, 10, 11 month highs in the U.S. dollar uh, with the funds and how they look at this market. I know on the case of the soybeans, you mentioned that, you know, not necessarily feeling very optimistic about a, a soybean rally here. And I, I know uh, looking at a chart, I mean, a lot of interesting comparisons you made between 23, no 23 beans, 2013, 2008, 2009. There's, there's some interesting correlations setting up right now, isn't there? Yeah, there is September and the end of September with the stocks report and then the October coming in with the November being futures going delivery tends to be very volatile and it, and it does tend to create a new trend. And I think that's what I'm looking forward to. And I'm very nervous ahead of the stocks report tomorrow because the bean yields seem to be doing better in the central and eastern corn and bean belt than what maybe we expected them to do. Um, that the bean stocks number, while the trade's thinking it's going to be down about 12% on average versus last September, is that going to be enough to prevent the market from sliding more um, because of the demand side of the equation and because of the Brazilian currency? And that September low in beans of 1284.5 is a big number. Even bigger is 1282 and a quarter. So if we go below that 1280 level in, in the lead month beans, I think we do have to kind of hunker down for another big slide to the downside. That doesn't mean it's going to be a long lasting slide, but you know how these beans have been moving. They've been moving in 60 cent plus chunks here on a weekly or bi-weekly basis. Mike, uh, the cattle market, it's been a rough week there so far. And I, I know we're, we're maybe just holding steady right now as I, as I look at things. But your take in the cattle market, especially feeders, are, are you concerned with the way the week has gone so far? Yeah, I really am because the volume numbers have been good on this slide and, and, you know, the funds are long at this point and it's not as much about the cash right now. I mean, I'm not saying cash isn't important, but it's about kind of that 2014, 2015 mindset in the cattle market, Jesse. And I think Thursday's a big day uh, for the cattle. Uh, Friday, obviously, being the end of the month is two in the feeders and, and staying above 250 in lead month futures as we see uh, the, the September go off the board here and then the October takeover. Um, we did see on the weekly export sales a real big move in the beef side, uh, 17,700 metric tons, up 40 plus percent on the four week average. Japan, number one buyer, China, number three buyer. That was really nice to see. Also got some economic data this morning. 
that suggests that we have a reason for the equities markets to bounce. So cattle and equities have been running kind of dog and tail type mindset. Let's see what we can do here today and tomorrow and hold those charts together. Mike, final thoughts real quick. Uh, what would you tell producers as they're looking at their marketing plan during a, a pretty volatile end of the month here? Better profit in beans than corn and, and the stocks report by itself. We, we've got the market thinking we're going to have 4% more stocks uh, than we had last September. I'm dubious about that because we had the June report come out with 6% less stocks than June of 2022. I'm not sure we've lost that much demand. Well, I know folks could find you online, Globalcom with two M's, research.com. Mike Zuzalo, President of Global Commodity Analytics. Thanks for joining us on AOA today. We appreciate it. Thank you, Jesse. Coming up next here on AOA, brought to you by Cenex, Maxtron Synthetic Diesel Engine Oil, oil that runs smart. We'll talk with John Sambachin from the National Sunflower Association here on AOA. Challenge. It's not something you shy from. It's a chance to up your game. Every day brings a new challenge, but with the Enhanced Channel Seed brand on your side, you can rise to it. With our top performing seed, innovative digital tools, and expanded agronomic support, you can turn tomorrow's challenges into your next advantage. Your Enhanced Channel Seed brand. Let's rise to the challenge. Learn more at channel.com slash rise. Read and follow pesticide label directions, IRM, grain marketing, and other stewardship practices. Corn is native to the American continents and was unknown to the rest of humanity until Columbus arrived in the New World in the 15th century. It took less than 100 years after Columbus's discovery for corn to be introduced to farmers in Asia, Africa, Europe, and the Pacific Islands. After wheat and rice, corn is the third most cultivated crop in the world. The four nations that purchase the most corn from the United States are Mexico and Colombia, who use it as a food ingredient, and Japan and South Korea, who buy it mainly for animal feed. Around one-third of the corn grown in the United States is eaten by livestock, another third is used in the production of ethanol fuel, and the rest is either consumed by humans, exported to other nations, or used industrially. Now that's sweet corn, that's the variety that most Americans grill or boil for cookouts or just eat straight out of a can with a spoon, accounts for just 1% of all corn grown in the United States. These Farm Facts brought to you by the American Ag Network. Babes, what are you doing? What? I'm just mowing the lawn. No, it's blazing hot and dry out here. Don't you remember? Smokey Bear says... Avoid using power equipment when it's windy or dry. Where'd you learn this? Oh, it's on... SmokeyBear.com with many other wildfire prevention tips. Right. Thanks, honey bear. Because remember, only you can prevent wildfires. Brought to you by the USDA Forest Service, your state forester, and the Ad Council. Nothing offers an opportunity to bond and give thanks quite like breaking bread together. This is especially true as we welcome our troops back home and keep those who are still stationed overseas in our hearts. Hi, I'm Gary Sinise. Since 2011, the Gary Sinise Foundation's Serving Heroes program has shown gratitude to our nation's defenders and their families by serving up nearly 500,000 hearty classic American meals at travel hubs and military locations. And now, together with our friends at Bob Evans Farms and their Our Farm Salutes program, we will help to provide even more meals nationwide, offering our defenders a taste of home and a feeling of togetherness around the table. Help us show America's gratitude through food and fellowship. Look for the Bob Evans Our Farm Salutes purple packaging at your grocery store and visit OurFarmSalutes.com to learn more.
While we can never do enough to support the men and women who serve, together we can make a difference, bite by bite. Keeping America's farmers and ranchers informed. AOA. Now back to Jesse Allen. Welcome back to AOA, brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. Cenex Premium Diesel, a more complete additive package for a more complete burn. Well, right now we want to get an update on how the sunflower industry is doing, how are crops looking as we're getting ready for harvest here across the country. Joining us now, Executive Director of the National Sunflower Association, John Sambacket is with us. John, it's great to talk with you again. I hope you're doing well. Well, I'm, I'm doing well, Jesse. Thanks for having me on your program today. Well, I appreciate the time as always, John. And it's been a few uh, few weeks since you and I had a conversation. So I need an update on how things are looking. I know this sunflower crop across the country is uh, nearing the finish line for this growing season. Let's just start there. How are things looking across the country? Well, you know, Jesse, in the last oh, couple months here, we've had some really nice rain in August and here in September in most of the sunflower growing region. And, um, you know, that that's kind of our critical time period for when we're gonna add that, you know, test weight on, oil content, things like that. And the crop is really looking good right now. The majority of it is in that good to excellent category according to USDA. And, you know, just, just from what I've seen driving out in the countryside, I mean, it looks just like we're gonna have a phenomenal crop once again. Um, so overall, you know, we, we did start a little bit later this spring, we had some delays, but boy, we had good, good heat units throughout the growing season and it, crop caught up and in fact we're probably at the five or average a little bit ahead well and i know uh, across the northern plains especially i know you're based uh, in north dakota really good looking crop as you alluded to what about other parts of the country colorado i would think as well i mean and what are you hearing from some of the other uh, parts of the country as far as how the crops are looking there well you know it's funny that you mentioned colorado you know the last few years they've been just in severe drought conditions and they've had just phenomenal amount of rain this growing season and I, I've not seen the crop ratings as high on the Colorado crop ever, I think, you know, right now. I mean, 80% of it's good to excellent. Um, Kansas is also in really good shape right now. Uh, the Nebraska crop looks really good. And so far, you know, what I'm hearing there has been harvest in Texas. You know, yields have been right around average to above average. So um, overall, even in the high plain states, you know, they're looking really good right now. Well, I know coming up on Friday, of course, we have USDA's grain stocks report, small grain summary, and it sounds like traders could be looking for sunflower seed stocks to be up quite a bit from a year ago and up from the five-year average. Is that the case? You know, it is looking at that right now. At least that that's what traders are anticipating, and even I, I really believe that we are going to be a higher amount. Um, you know, when you think last year's crop, uh, both North Dakota and Minnesota had record yields, uh, new state records. Uh, we had the second highest yield ever for the sunflower crop in the United States last year. And our production was up about 48%. And now we, we used up quite a bit of that seed, you know, during this, this market year. But, gee, you know, given the volume that was produced last year, um, you, we just couldn't quite get it all through the plants. And so I, I think we're going to see pretty significant stocks. But, you know, in the last few years here, we've had really low stocks. And, and one thing that, you know, we're really working on is we're, we're basically a domestic market for the oil right now. And you have to have that consistent supply. And it's, you know, right now, when, when you're looking at the price situation, it, it's kind of, it, it's, it's not as, as friendly as you'd like to see it, but we do need to have these stocks to make sure that we keep our customers. So, um, you know, long-term, it, 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 we're, we're in a better position to have these stocks to have something to fall back on.
Well, with the price condition, is, is some of that tied as well to the, the transition to the new marketing year right now also, John? You know, definitely. That's, you know, this time of year, we're always, the, the market is always in, in transition. And, you know, like we're right now where our prices are at, we're about that $17, $19 range. You know, that that's way below where we were at. We were contracting acres last winter. And, but it's, it's just a transition that we normally have. We have a lot of seed moving out of out of the bins, you know, into the plants right now. Plus, we're, we're just right around the corner from harvest pressure and deliveries of new crop. And so it, it's always going to be like that this time of year. The only year where we were not in this situation was last fall when uh, obviously the situation in Ukraine just really ramped up prices and, and just overall exceeded demand. So um, it, it's kind of a normal area where we're at. And, you know, I... Uh, you know, it's it's something that obviously the market's going to have to work through. We're having a conversation today with John Sandbachin, the executive director for the National Sunflower Association here on AOA. John, you mentioned Ukraine, and I'm just wondering, you know, we know that the Black Sea region, they produce a lot of sunflowers, a lot of Sunflower oil comes from that region. As you look at things there, are we seeing still any challenges or or as far as, you know, competition with our exports from the U.S.? Are we seeing more business come to the U.S.? I guess that's what I'm trying to get to. What's what's the update on the latest with regards to the Black Sea region and how that's impacting the U.S. markets? Well, you know, it's, it's funny you mentioned that, but it, it, it is amazing how over the course of the past few months that the Ukrainians have been able to get their seed out or, or get, you know, oil out of the country, um, given the, you know, the pressure that they're facing with the war. And, and they're, they're nowhere near pre-war levels, but yet mm -hmm. it is still pretty amazing how much product they're moving out. And that's moving mainly into Europe and into other countries, into China, India, places like that. And, you know, with the, you know, amount of volume that they have um, and just the logistical issues they're having, they're, they're basically selling the, the product very, very cheap. And it has cut into U.S. exports uh, because of that. In fact, right now, when you look at just the overall vegetable oil situation in the world, we're kind of sitting on a glut. There's a huge palm oil crop, big rapeseed, canola crop around the world, also sunflower. And so all the oils right now are all competing for market share and it's driving prices lower. Uh, oil has been trending lower for the last couple of months, and th this is impacting, you know, where, as mentioned, U.S., where we're basically working in the domestic market here. So we've not seen that kind of a drop off yet, but it is, you know, cutting into our export volume because there are cheaper sources out there right now. John, as well, I should ask logistics. Uh, are, are there any challenges you foresee here as we get into the sunflower harvest in the U.S.? Uh, I know there's been worries about the river situation on the Mississippi, which could maybe put some strain for other commodities and, and also maybe put some added strain on rail and truck, etc. So as you look at things in terms of the sunflower harvest, do you see any logistical challenges in front of us? You know, not really. You know, m most of our seed is trucked to the crush plants and it, it is railed out, though, in, in bulk tankers. And so that could be the one situation that we're maybe if, if you know, some of that barge traffic has to move by train, that, that could impact us to some degree. But overall, you know, we're, we're you know, we're, I think we're, we're going to be in a good position as, as we have been in past years. So I don't foresee that. Um, mm -hmm. If anything, it just might be the fact that there's so much seed moving into the crush plants that they could be a little bit overwhelmed you know, as far as how much they're going to be able to take in. 
John, also, I should ask you, too, here, uh, with harvest around the corner, I know farmers got to make sure that uh, things are ready on the farm, especially uh, their their bins, if they're going to be doing storage or have to do any sort of, uh, you know, let sunflowers, uh, let the crop dry or anything like that. So any recommendations to uh, farmers to make sure their bins are ready for this harvest? Well, you know, that, that that's going to be critical this year. Like I said, with, with larger carryover stocks that we're going to have, plus we're going to have a, a, a pretty good sized crop, you know, of new crop here in 2023. You've got to have your bins ready. And one of the things that we, we had advised folks is that if you can harvest early, you can desiccate the crop and you've got like air in your bin. I mean, that's what you're going to want to store it. You're going to dry it down. You're going to make sure that if you're going to store it longer term, you're going to want to get that moisture down to about 8%. You know, just just to make sure that you're not going to have any issues further down the road. And it just one of those things you, you've got to be prepared because this year it, it might be difficult moving some of the commodities, I think, in, in general, um, just because of the, the, the great crops that, that most folks are going to have and better than they had anticipated, I think. John, before we let you go, any other final thoughts you'd want to share from the uh, Sunflower Association? Anything else uh, going on that you want to mention? Well, you know, the thing is we're, we're very active right now in the farm bill discussion that that's kind of kind of come down to a real slow crawl here because of the funding situation for the government at the potential shutdown. But, um, you know, we're, we're right in there. We're, we're fighting for higher reference prices for sunflower, uh, better uh, crop insurance program as far as the amount of subsidies that producers get. Obviously, we want to try to raise that amount to make crop insurance more affordable and, and for people to get better coverage. And just just overall fighting for more research dollars for sunflower. We're a crop that is very dependent on the Ag Research Service as far as new developments, and we want to see more funds go in that area. Fantastic. Well, I know folks can find more information online, sunflowernsa.com. We've been talking with John Sandbach, an executive director for the National Sunflower Association. John, always great to have a conversation with you. Thanks for the time. We'll talk to you again soon. Sounds great, Jesse. Thank you. Fantastic stuff there from John Sandbachin with the National Sunflower Association joining us here today on AOA. All right, coming up next, we are going to learn more and get an up to uh, get up to speed, I should say, uh, no pun intended here, about the speed limiter regulations that uh, could be impacting folks here as far as trucks, semi-trucks on our nation's highways and interstates. We're going to get an update from the uh, folks at OIDA, Louis Pugh, Executive Vice President of OIDA, is going to be joining us here on the program coming up next to fill us in and tell us more about things. Today's AOA brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. Cenex Premium Diesel, a diesel that doesn't mess around. We'll be back with more here on AOA, Agriculture of America, right after this. People look at your farm, they just see corn. But to you, it's a lot more than that. It's a college fund, your retirement plan, and it deserves trait protection that can stand up to heavy pressure threats like corn woodworm. SmartStacks Pro with RNAi technology is trusted on over 1 million acres to protect the things that mean more. Trade up at smartstackspro.com. Always read and follow pesticide label directions, IRM, where applicable, grain marketing, and all other stewardship practices. Copyright 2023 Bayer Group. All rights reserved. Sports allow us to play, learn, and grow. But there's something more important than victory. At the U.S. Center for Safe Sport, we believe every athlete deserves to be safe. 
safe from abuse and misconduct on and off the field. We equip athletes, parents, coaches, and others with the right education to recognize, prevent, and respond to harmful behavior. Join the movement to champion respect and end abuse at uscenterforstatesport.org. You're listening to AOA for the American Ag Network. I'm Richard Risvet with this market update. Grains and oil seeds are mixed but mostly lower this morning. Corn is up a penny or two. Soybeans are down about 10, 11 cents. Soybean meal is up moderately while soybean oil is down sharply. Wheat is mixed with Chicago Minneapolis firm. Kansas City is leaking lower. USDA is scheduled to release its quarterly grain stocks and small grain summary reports at 11 a.m. Central Time tomorrow. Now, this stocks report is known for its market-moving surprises that can often defy logic, leaving traders a bit on edge this morning. This may be the last official government data we get to trade for a period if we do see a partial government shutdown over the weekend. We can look for USDA to modestly reduce the size of last year's corn and soybean crops. Otherwise, the focus will remain on harvest updates and South American weather. Soybeans are feeling the brunt of the harvest pressure. 12% of the soybean crop was harvested at the start of the week. That's up from 5% a week earlier and ahead of the prior five-year average of 11%. About 73% were dropping leaves. That's up from 54% the week prior and the average of 62%. Half the crop was in good or excellent condition as of Sunday. That's down from 52% a week earlier. Now, rain did fall in parts of the Corn Belt, including much of Illinois and Indiana in the past 24 hours. Precipitation was prevalent in parts of several states in the past week, including the Dakotas, Nebraska, Minnesota, Wisconsin, and Illinois. Now, it's still been dry in much of western Kansas and Oklahoma and in parts of southern Iowa into Missouri. That's giving farmers a chance to advance the harvest. Weekly ethanol production continues to rise week to week while inventories climb to the highest levels in more than a month. Production of the biofuel increased to an average of 1.009 million barrels a day in the week that ended on the 22nd. Now in parts of southern Illinois and Indiana, meanwhile, storms are expected through this morning. Hail and lightning are the biggest concerns. You're listening to AOA for the American Ag Network. I'm Richard Ristvet. Take a look under your bed. Find stuff under there? What about jobs? No? Now try your basement. There's a pair of overalls that overall you're not so into anymore. A perfectly good laptop that hasn't sat in your lap in months. And even more stuff, but still no jobs? Well, you really have both. See, stuff is defined as household articles considered as a group. Sometimes this stuff is no longer needed. Wait, no longer needed? That can't be right. Because remember those jobs you were looking for? Those are really needed, and they're the stuff inside your stuff. Even inside that winter coat that moved with you to Phoenix. Our job is to unlock those jobs, and it starts when you donate your stuff to your local Goodwill. Here's how we do it. When you donate to Goodwill, we sell your stuff to provide job training for people right here in your community. So just by teaming up with Goodwill, you help create jobs. And isn't that worth parting with the leftover guitar from your 80s cover band? Goodwill. Donate stuff, create jobs. Find your nearest donation center at Goodwill.org. A message from Goodwill and the Ad Council. Keeping America's farmers and ranchers informed. AOA. Now back to Jesse Allen. And welcome back to AOA here today. Thanks for staying with us. Today's program brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. Cenex Premium Diesel, a more complete additive package for a more complete burn to optimize performance in all engines. Jesse Allen back with you here. Thanks for joining us today. Right now, we want to turn our attention to a speed limiter regulation that could 
cost innocent lives could be very dangerous on our nation's highways and interstates. And joining us now to discuss the details about this, very pleased to have with us from the owner-operator Independent Drivers Association, OIDA, as they are called, Executive Vice President Louis Pugh is with us. Louis, great to have you on AOA with me today. I hope you're doing well. Oh, thank you for having me. It's always my pleasure. I enjoy being on here. Louis, let's uh, dive in and uh, get us up to speed on this situation, this uh, U.S. Uh, Department of Transportation speed limiter regulation. Uh, where do things stand with this uh, this potential speed limiter regulation in semi-trucks, uh, limiting devices that would set us to a 68-mile-per-hour limit? I, I believe that's correct. Can you get us up to speed on this? Yeah, and it's kind of correct, but um, yeah, it, it, first and foremost, this all started a couple of years ago. The American Trucking Association, who uh, represents big fleets along with some safety advocates, they uh, petitioned FMCSA um, to, for a speed limiter mandate to where all trucks on the operating operating the highway over 26,000 pound gross. So there'll be a lot of farmers out there hauling their grain trucks and their livestock trucks as well. Um, we'll have to have a speed limiter device, and they won't be able to go more than whatever FMCSA decides this, uh, should it should be. Um, getting it up to speed, it's been it was this week FMCSA in fact leaked out that there was probably going to be 68 mile per hour. Since then, that's been pulled back. They've pulled that back and said they got. Uh, Shouldn't have been released, and that wasn't correct. So we're still waiting to see. We've heard speed limits as low as 60, speed limits as high as 70, and somewhere in between. We kind of think that they're going to come out with some sort of a, a, a different kind where, where if you have older trucks and trucks without some of what they call the safety technologies on them, you'll be have to set yours at a lower speed, which is probably what most of your listeners would have. Mm -hmm. um, and then... You know, and again, and then these trucks with safety devices, which are nothing more than um, stuff to regulate how drivers, company drivers do things, uh, you know, with fleets, then if you have those, you'll be able to go a little faster. So, of course, what's what the bad thing about this, there's some, or quite a few bad things about this. Yeah. Um, first and foremost is it's, especially in the western states, we have 70, 75 mile an hour speed limits. You're going to have a 10 to 15 mile per hour speed differential between you and that car traffic that's running around you. So, right there, that's one big thing. It's going to create a lot of aggravated car drivers. It's going to make trucks getting cut off. It's going to make it hard if we get places. The other bad mm -hmm. thing we see, which really hits rural America, is the companies, that, the fleets that have these things already. We've done our research. They're still getting speed tick, speeding tickets. <laughs> You know, that's the thing, drivers on speeding. Well, if that's that's true, why are you still getting speed tickets? Well, when you drill down into it, it's because they're either speeding on two-lane roads, like I said, that's where it affects rural America, or they're speeding in construction zones. And mm. neither one of those things are places you should be speeding at all, of course, because they're trying yes. to make up time. Yeah, trying to make up time, and and I know with this issue, I, I know I've talked about it before uh, here on the show. And to your points, you know, I would think about restricted truck speeds. I, I mean, rolling roadblocks on our interstates uh, between not only our farmers and ranchers who are hauling grain or livestock, uh, but also to the effect of you know you know moving various commodities, moving various goods to 
our, our grocery stores or retail stores or more. I, I would just think, you know, slowing the movement of that down just does not, I guess it does not make sense to me from, from that perspective, Louie, why, why we would want to do this. Exactly. I mean, we're going to slow the, slow everybody down to where they can't go the posted speed limits, which what's the effect of that's going to be is if we want to have the same supply chain and the same amount of supplies delivered to our stores or get our grain out of the fields faster or our cattle delivered to market as far as what we do now, we're going to need more trucks. Yeah. Because I, these trucks that we have aren't going to be able to work as efficiently. So we're going to have to get more trucks and put more trucks out on the road, which is going to create more congestion, which will in turn create more backups and more slow, and more, more traffic issues. We just keep adding to the problem instead of looking at what some of the real problems are as far as safety and trucking goes. Well, I know earlier this year, uh, Senator Steve Daines from Montana introduced the deregulating restrictions on interstate vehicles and 18-wheelers or the DRIVE Act. And I wonder if you've heard any updates on on that legislation. I know an identical House version was introduced by Congressman Josh Breachin from Oklahoma. Has there been any update on that legislation? I know there's a lot going on in D.C. right now. Have you guys heard anything there at OIDA? No, when you know, and you're correct. Thanks for bringing that up. Yeah, here at Ohio, we've been pushing to get this this language, get these bills out. And I mean, right now they're still signing on co-sponsors. Um, I would put out to your listening network. I always do say, you know, reach out to your lawmakers. Tell them you don't want it. The two bills are HR thirty thirty nine and then Senate Bill twenty six seventy one. An easy place to do this, you know, and I understand people are just listening, is fightingfortruckers.com. That's pretty easy to remember. Fightingfortruckers.com. That's a website of ours. You can go right on there. You can look up your lawmakers. You can actually send a message to your lawmakers right off that site on these two bills. It's very, it's right at the top, you know, helping truckers take action and tell their stories to lawmakers on the DRIVE Act. It's called the DRIVE Act, but you know, I, that, that's what we need to do. American people, for, for far too long, Washington, D.C. has turned a blind eye, or they think they know better. And this is another example of that. Congress gave states the authority to set speed limits 20-some-plus years ago, or 30 years ago probably now. I lose track of time. But Congress gave states that authority. Now the F, one of government's branches the FMCSA is trying to take that authority back from states. I think we all know our states have a better idea what's a safe speed than what uh, lawmakers and bureaucrats in Washington do. So speak up, reach out to your lawmakers and tell them you don't want this, this you know, support the DRIVE Act because that's what this bill will do. It'll make it illegal for FMCSA to set any kind of speed limit. We're talking with Louis Pugh, Executive Vice President of OIDA, the owner-operator, Independent Drivers Association. And Louis, I know it's not just something that OIDA is opposed to when it comes to the uh, the speed limiter rulemaking, but uh, a lot of other groups uh, throughout agriculture and other groups are, are behind, uh, behind this fight as well, uh, aren't there, Louis? 
Yes, you're correct. I'm proud to say we have a huge coalition backing us, Um, some shippers and receiver groups, some retail groups, some stuff like that. But you're right, agriculture as well. The American Farm Bureau, they're against this. The Cowman's Association, I think the pork producers, and then there's some state and and local um, agricultural groups as well. Um, A lot of push. You know, Mm -hmm. people who represent the small business, the small farmers, and represent, you know, they understand what's going to happen here and that this is is nothing but a, a law being made to support fleet management tools to help big guys to help big fleets that's all this is for is to take to take power from the little people again and we've seen that not only in trucking but agriculture for years and we've got to turn this tide and turn this around well again that website fightingfortruckers.com is where folks can uh, find more information louie as well here before we run out of time anything final you want to share either on this issue or anything else that oida is keeping tabs on right now um this is a big thing probably right here and um you know there's Always, I always encourage, as somebody who's in agriculture and trucking, I encourage you all to come to fight. There's a lot of crossover. So keep an eye on fightingfortruckers.com. Um, a lot of the stuff that we do, you know, for our small business truckers carries over into the farms because a lot of farms, of course, have trucks as well. And a lot of these laws and regulations will, of course, affect you and your business operations and agriculture as well. Um, I encourage anyone who's not a member of trucks to join OIDA. And if you have any questions on rules, regulations, anything like that, don't hesitate to reach out to us. We're easily found at OIDA.com. Fantastic. And again, I know folks can also find more, as Louie mentioned, fightingfortruckers.com. We've been having a conversation with Louie Pugh, Executive Vice President for the Owner-Operator Independent Drivers Association. Louie, thanks so much for joining us here on Agriculture of America today. We'll look forward to having you back on the show again real soon. Thanks so much. Thank you, and thanks to the farmers out there. Appreciate y'all. Louis Pugh there with OIDA joining us here today on AOA and uh, definitely a lot of things to think about uh, with those speed limiter regulations and more. It's a situation that could not only impact farmers and ranchers and agriculture, but could impact everyone and impact our supply chain. So definitely something to stay on top of. And uh, thanks to our uh, friends at OIDA for joining us here and uh, getting us up to speed on the latest with that situation. All right. Well, coming up here on AOA before we wrap up today's program, another uh, big issue in a lot of our soybean fields is soybean cyst nematode. It's something that is, is robbing a lot of yield potential, costing farmers a lot of money, and maybe they don't know how much money it's costing them. We're going to learn more about the new SCN Profit Checker from the SCN Coalition. Greg Tilka with Iowa State University and the SCN Coalition will join us next here on AOA, brought to you by Cenex, Maxtron Synthetic Diesel Engine Oil, Everyday Products, powered locally. That's Cenex. Back with more on AOA right after the break. What do Mick Jagger, Barbara Walters, and Star Jones all have in common? They've all suffered from something called heart valve disease. Heart valve disease affects 11 million Americans and if left untreated can lead to death. 
Unfortunately, less than one in four Americans have much knowledge of this disease that kills more than 25,000 people every year. The good news is that if heart valve disease is treated, patients can recover and live long, happy, and productive lives. But in order to treat heart valve disease, you need to know if you have it. If you or your loved ones are over the age of 65, have been treated with radiation to the chest, have been diagnosed with a heart murmur, or have a history of heart disease, it's time to listen to your heart. Ask your doctor today about screening for heart valve disease. A message brought to you by Heart Valve Voice US. For more information about the symptoms and treatment for valve disease, go to heartvalvevoice-us.org. 54. So, basically, it's too late to start saving for retirement, right? Not right. Starting to save, even in your 50s, can really make a difference. Well, right now, saving seems hard to wrap my head around. Plus, with the way this year's been going... <laughs> hey, listen. It's okay. You still got this. Just go to aceyourretirement.org. It's an online tool from AARP that can help you get your retirement savings on track, no matter your age. It's free and only takes about three minutes. I like three minutes. Yeah. At aceyourretirement.org, you'll chat with Avo, the friendly digital retirement coach. Just answer a few questions and you'll get a personalized plan and tips to help boost your retirement savings. Tips that are easy to understand and tailored to your lifestyle. I like that too. Plus, it's sponsored by AARP, so you know they got your back. Just head to aceyourretirement.org and make your plan to start saving for retirement. Thanks. That's aceyourretirement.org. A message from AARP and the Ad Council. Join us the first Wednesday of every month on AOA for the latest episode of The Monthly Grind with our friends at the National Corn Growers Association. We'll discuss the latest topics surrounding the corn industry, the relationships between corn and other parts of the agricultural supply chain, the newest initiatives and partnerships from NCGA's Market Development Action Team, and much more. That's the first Wednesday of every month for The Monthly Grind on AOA. It's a show you don't want to miss. Every Tuesday, we'll be sitting around the table, sponsored by CHS. Join us and learn how CHS creates the vital connections that empower agriculture, helping farmers and ranchers like you succeed. We'll hear from different voices from throughout the cooperative system, sharing stories about how good things happen when people work together. Join us around the table every Tuesday or visit cooperativeownership.com to learn more. Challenge. It's not something you shy from. It's a chance to up your game. Every day brings a new challenge, but with the Enhanced Channel Seed brand on your side, you can rise to it. With our top performing seed, innovative digital tools, and expanded agronomic support, you can turn tomorrow's challenges into your next advantage. Your Enhanced Channel Seed brand. Let's rise to the challenge. Learn more at channel.com slash rise. Read and follow pesticide label directions, IRM, grain marketing, and other stewardship practices. The landscape of media has changed, and people are more skeptical than ever about where they get their news and information. While major news outlets show decreasing credibility, your local farm radio station still shows strong marks. In a recent survey, farmers rated information from their farm broadcasters as almost twice as reliable as major news outlets. Farm radio continues to be transparent, honest, and trustworthy. This message brought to you by the National Association of Farm Broadcasting. As veterans, we're no strangers to helping others. It's what we were taught, trained, and told to do. It could be for anything, helping a friend move. Listening to a fellow veteran for hours, 
at any hour of the day. Or just simply making time for people, a neighbor, a loved one, or even a stranger. We're often the first to help others. There's no question about it. But we do have one question for the veterans listening. When was the last time you reached out for help? Perhaps it's time to do for yourself what you would do for others. If you or someone you know needs resources, whether it's for stress, finances, employment, or mental health, don't wait. Reach out. Find more information at va.gov reach. That's va.gov reach. Brought to you by the United States Department of Veterans Affairs and the Ad Council. Information America's farmers and ranchers need. AOA. Now, back to Jesse Allen. And welcome back to AOA, brought to you today by our friends with Cenex Premium Diesel. With Cenex Premium Diesel, you can count on a diesel that will keep your operation in top shape. Jesse Allen back with you here. Right now, we want to turn our attention to fighting soybean cyst nematode and get some of the latest on SCN with the SCN Coalition and Greg Tilka, Iowa State University nematologist. He is with the coalition. Greg, thanks for joining us today. Always good to talk with you. I hope you're doing well. I'm doing well, Jesse, and thank you for having me. It's always a pleasure to talk to you. Well, let's dive in and uh, talk a little bit about the SCN Profit Checker. And just for starters, uh, what is this tool and why was this tool created, Greg? Well, I've been at Iowa State 30-some years doing research. And uh, if one thing I've learned is that uh, SCN damage and yield loss isn't always obvious to the eye above ground. And... Uh, I can measure the yield loss because I'm a researcher, but farmers and agronomists aren't researchers. So what we've done with the SCN Coalition is take data from 25 years of my research funded by the checkoff through the Iowa Soybean Association, more than 35,000 plots. We've developed a equation or a model or an algorithm to predict, and, or sh I shouldn't say predict, to estimate yield loss that can be used in any field infested with SCN. The agronomist or the farmer can plug in some simple information about his or her field. And then based on our very robust data set, again, 35,000 plus plots, it will generate a percentage estimated yield loss. And then the farmer can add their yield expectation for that field. In other words, what they thought that field should yield plus a price. And through all of that, it will spit out an estimated yield loss. And I think some of the numbers are going to be shocking for farmers when they see what we calculate they're losing due to SCN. Well, I think about calculating those numbers and I, I don't think it's a secret anymore, Greg, uh, how costly SCN can be in our fields. Yeah, and it's frustrating for me, but it's also got to be frustrating for farmers and agronomists that we're leaving bushels in the field. I mean, we're just not getting what we should because we do have management tools to help stem the tide. We're not going to eliminate yield loss due to SCN, but there sure are some things we can do to slow down or reduce the yield loss. 
let's talk about a few of those things if you don't mind i know we're coming to the end of a growing season right now uh probably a good time for folks to assess any scn damage in their soybean fields as they wrap up harvest here but then also try to think about some different strategies they can implement heading into next year greg exactly jesse this is a time when they're going to know based on the yields they bring in uh, what they got, and and some many may be disappointed, and that should be um, spur them on to seeking answers. And fall is an absolute perfect time to pull soil samples and have them tested for SCN. And once a farmer knows that he or she has SCN in a particular field, then we can start talking about using resistant soybeans and non-host crops and seed treatments to start recovering uh, a lot of that lost yield. Well, I know if uh, they want to also, as they're taking their soil tests and more, and then they want to look at this SCN profit checker, I'm just kind of looking through this myself online. It's pretty easy to use, Greg. You click the Get Started button, you select your state, and then you start putting in various data. What's some of the data that they have to put in when they use the uh, profit checker? Well, there's four pieces of information once you enter your state. Um, the first one is the result of a fall soil sample, so it's an egg count. And that is a, a critical thing to point out is if they want to use the profit checker, they really need to get an egg count. But that can be done at any local university laboratory or a lot of private soil test labs as well. Then the other three pieces of information the farmer inserts or the agronomist is the female index on PI88788. And that's the most technical piece of information that is the result of a special test called an HG type test. Most farmers are not gonna have that. They should try and get one of those done moving forward, but thank goodness the calculator has a built-in default value that they can use as a value until they get better information. And then the final two pieces of information are sand content in the field and soil pH, because we know those two things have a major, major effect on SCN and the yield loss it causes. And that's it. The calculator will develop a percent estimate. And then when the farmer enters how much he or she thought that field should yield and the price they hope to get, it will calculate an estimated yield loss in dollars and cents. And I put in just a couple basic numbers here while we were talking and you know, you start seeing uh, Profit loss estimates, 50 some dollars an acre or more than that. I mean, it's staggering once you start to see some of these numbers and and really just let that sink in, Greg. Yeah, it doesn't take um, a really high egg count to get into the hundreds of dollars per acre yield loss. And in some of our research plots, we've seen a yield loss of 20 bushels per acre. And imagine penciling that out with today's soybean prices. And so mm -hmm. we're talking hundreds of dollars left in the field that's that goes unharvested because of SCN. And we hope that will help us turn the corner and get more people excited about managing this pest. Well, and of course, with SCN, Greg, I, I mean, it's not a problem that's going away. You and I were talking a little bit uh, before we went on air. I know you're going to be looking at a lot of the plot trials here this fall and uh, it's something that, you know, in your state of Iowa specifically, I mean, it, it didn't get better this growing season. So, I mean, it's it's something that it, SCN is is here to stay with us for a little while. It is. It's for real. It's a survivor. It survives better than any other pathogen on soybeans that I know because it can be dormant for up to 10 years in the soil. So 
we, we all need to take a reality check and kind of come to grips with it and fight that battle head on and start recovering some some hundreds of dollars per acre in some instances. Well, Greg, if folks want to learn more, I believe the SCNCoalition.com is a great way to start, isn't it? It is. And if you want to go right to the profit checker, the website would be the SCNCoalition.com slash profit checker. Fantastic. Greg Tilka, nematologist with Iowa State University. Thanks for telling us more about the SCN Profit Checker here today. We appreciate the time. We'll talk to you again soon. Thank you so much, Jesse. And we are out of time here on AOA, brought to you by Cenex Maxtron Synthetic Diesel Engine Oil, oil that runs smart. I'm your host, Jesse Allen. Have a great rest of your day. In today's troubled world, our USA Armed Forces stand ready to protect you, your family, and our American way of life. When veterans return to civilian life, they deserve your recognition and support. You can help put vets to work by donating your car, truck, or van to Patriotic Hearts. Your donation will directly support programs to help vets find jobs or even start their own business. Donate today for fast, free pickup of your vehicle, running or not. Operators are standing by to answer questions about making a tax-deductible vehicle donation. Find out how you can make a difference in the life of a United States veteran. Call 800-209-6416 for 24-hour response. Call 800-209-6416. 800-209-6416. That's 800-209-6416. You are not your diagnosis. A medical chart is not your identity. And vision loss does not define you. Your drive shows who you are. And you are not alone. Because we are driven too. To be a beacon of strength. A champion of courage. An advocate for hope. You are not alone. Because we are stronger together. We drive the research for the cures we are finding. We're fighting macular degeneration, retinitis pigmentosa, Usher syndrome, and the entire spectrum of blinding retinal diseases. We fund. We fight. We, we win. We, 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 we are, are the, the Foundation, foundation Fighting, fighting blindness. blindness. Together, we are fighting blindness. Join the fight at fightingblindness.org.